Technology, in many cases, has advanced our industry in a direction that has been really exciting. They're building homes with 3D printers right now, Melody. It's I insane. I saw that. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the next 10 or 15 years are going to bring, but I can tell you that we are absolutely headed in the direction of smarter and um, a lot of great things going on in the construction industry. Welcome to the Art of Custom from Hibbs Homes. Sponsored by Pella Window and Doors and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. In this episode, Kim and Melody talk energy efficiency. They cover everything from Energy Star rated appliances and lighting to insulation packages, windows, and more. As Kim always says, build it tight, but ventilate it right. The brilliant puppet Kermit the Frog once sang the song, It's Not Easy Being Green. Melody, you want to give us a few bars? I don't even remember, like, well, the tune. Well, you wrote this? I did, but I, I just remember <laughs> he'd say, it's not easy being green. And it, it was on Sesame Street when I was, like, four. But he, you know what, though? Kermit is right. It is not easy being green, and we, no. we absolutely have to agree because, you know, green home building, or what we now call high-performance building, you know, the technology, the interest has really surpassed a fad, and it's now growing into an art and science, and it's continually improving, it's continually shaping, and quite frankly, that's what we like about it. It helps us build better homes. Right, and we had Matt Beltran a couple episodes yeah, ago talking buddy, about Matt. how this green building really has pushed the codes to improve around the world. So, But what we like about it is it helps keep us well above codes. Uh, you know, we don't want to be a code builder. We always want to be above code. And so even though the codes are pushing us in that direction, it makes it easier for us, right? Well, no, it makes it harder for us because we got to oh, stay okay. on top of everything, right? <laughs> I like, but see, I, I think why it's, it's an easy, easy challenge though. Well, that's why it's not easy being green, right? <laughs> exactly. So we, since the beginning, you know, Hips Homes has held you know, ourselves accountable yeah. to a higher standard. Yeah, for nearly 20 years. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that that's who we are and how we build. And we're quite frankly proud of it. And what really drew me to actually working here is that the idea isn't just to do it for green. I mean, green reasons are wonderful. Environmentalism, sustainability are great. Mm -hmm. But the idea that it's to build a better home you said it's the right thing to do, the right exactly. way to do business. So. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. We have that hanging in our office, by the way. And and you know what? So today we're going to take a really deep dive into the three most important high-performance building pillars, if you will, in honor of the seventh annual Energy Efficiency Day, which is actually coming up on October 5th of 2022. And, you know, we've been participating and supporting this initiative for the past three years now, alongside with uh, many government utilities, universities across the country. Really, it's a day where all of these, you know, companies and organizations come together to support the common goal of saving money, cutting pollution, and creating jobs. So I understand that you're going to put me on the spot a little bit here, and we're going to reverse roles a little bit? Yeah, I want to ask you some questions about okay. stuff. Um, you know, I, I love research, and I took a deep dive into some of these um, areas. And, you know, things that they're, they are rapidly changing and evolving. They so are. I wanted, Yeah, I wanted to ask you some questions and sure. kind of update my knowledge, too. <laughs> Well, so. hopefully our, our listeners to the uh, to the podcast will benefit from this as well. Um, before we launch in, I, I just want to remind everybody, there, there really are a lot of 
excellent high performance builders across the country. And, you know, you handle all of our marketing, you handle our website and everything. If someone is listening in other parts of the country, that this, this, that's what this podcast is about, is helping educate those who are interested in building a custom home. What, how should they look for a high-performance builder online? When anybody calls in, I always tell them to start with their HBA because I think you've, you've made sure that, you know, if I don't tell them that, you're probably going to nail me to the floor or something, right? <laughs> I could. Yeah, so nail my feet to the floor until I, I remember that. So, you know, they're the, um, they're the NAHB affiliates locally, yep. and you want vetted, you know, not just somebody that's coming in and saying high-performance builder or green Yeah, builder. because there's a difference. There's those who say we build green or high-performance. And all they do is is install Energy Star appliances and lighting and that type of thing. But that's why we prefer the term high performance because there really is a science to what we do. So when you say HBA, that's the Home Builders Association. Most all markets around the country have one. Mm-hmm. There's also the National Association of Home Builders, NAHB, which you mentioned. Both of them are really good resources. But totally agree with you. Start with the HBA and then also just, uh, you know, you can go online and search through high performance builders, green builders. But to your point, Melody, find some Someone who does more than just uh, installs Energy Star appliances and, and lighting and low flow plumbing fixtures. Well, and um, you know the first pillar of you know the energy efficiency day is saving money. So you yes. know it's worth going through the time. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you said that there's a payback period for mm-hmm. that. So while there is an initial upfront cost, the uptake of things, a, a lot of surveys find it has to be easy to maintain and easy to operate, and the, the cost savings has to be there. And so, what is the payback of, you know, going for these a little bit higher cost materials. So generally speaking, I would tell everybody that you're you're somewhere in that six, seven, eight year period, somewhere in there. And that is an important number because of all the studies that have been done nationally. And those studies show that most people, when they move into a new home, are going to live in that home for about that time period. Now, as a custom builder, we're finding that most of our clients, I mean, we've been building Melody now for almost 20 years. And I honestly can't tell you that we have had a client who's actually moved from the home that we've built for them. So they're they're looking at this like if they can hit that six, seven, eight year payback period, everything beyond that is truly just savings into their pocket. Um, so that's what we generally tell everybody is this is a long-term investment. Um, but understand that it will cost you a little bit more upfront, but you're going to start saving immediately on a lot of your expenses, your operating expenses. But just plan on the payback period being somewhere six, seven, eight years, unless you're heading in the direction of something like a geothermal or a solar, which we can talk about. And then your payback's going to be a little bit longer. Interesting enough, I was looking at some of our past client profiles, and I saw a couple of people say that they have twice the size of their home, but half the energy bills. Mm -hmm. And so on that component, I mean, just kind of breaking down the math quickly, that's just on energy. It's a payback within, what, two years? Yeah, on energy, if you're looking at strictly something like that, the, the energy component, you're you're right. It's it's a much quicker payback, and and I know the two projects you're talking about. Both of these homeowners did. They moved into homes twice the size, and they were amazed at how their heating and cooling bills did not change from from their smaller home. So um, almost no one installs a heat pump for the going green reason, and I do not know anything about heat pumps, but I keep seeing it over and over and over again. Now, is that a retrofit thing or is that something that you would do with a new construction? Yes, to both. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I say that is because I, I know from experience that you can retrofit a heat pump into your HVAC system that's already existing. 
Um, we are doing much more of it too, especially in our northern Utah market. There's really good incentives through the utility companies out there. It's a it's a cleaner uh, way to heat and cool your house. It's a very efficient way to heat and cool your house. So your savings are going to be even greater than, for example, natural gas and, and that type of thing. But either way, if you're doing a renovation, consider heat pumps. If you're doing new construction, absolutely. It's 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 kind of the best of both worlds with a geothermal system and a conventional HVAC system where you don't have to have the, the loops, for example, that you're drilling and all. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that you should definitely consider if you're, uh, if you're looking to change out or build new with your HVAC system. It's almost a buzzword right now, heat pumps. It is, yeah. um, So I saw New York Times articles on it. Um, and then I think there was even, um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but with the um, energy savings plan that the White House just released. There's mm-hmm. some credits and things like that. And so I, I, I would expect we're going to hear even more about yeah, it. Yeah, they were very intentional with that to make sure that there were a lot of programs included in that, which would help either existing homeowners or homeowners who were going to, to build new. And a lot of it has to do with renewable or very efficient options when it comes to renovations and, and building new. One of the um, statistics that I came across was just switching out your appliances for Energy Star could mm-hmm. save around $500 a year. Yes. Tell me a little bit about where that savings stacks up outside of appliances. I, I would say this, that even if you're only looking for that Energy Star label, which everyone knows what that looks like right now, that's a great place to start. But you can carry it on so much further, for example, than than just the appliances. Windows is a, is a great area. I mean, you're talking significant savings if you're going to an Energy Star rated window. I mean, your savings there is probably in the vicinity of 30%, if I'm not mistaken, um, simply because of the performance of those double-paned windows versus a single pane or the older aluminum framed windows. Um, so even if you're thinking about replacing windows in your existing home, go to a, a double pane uh, window of some sort, Energy Star rated for your area. That rating will vary depending upon what part of the country you live in. So make sure that uh, that you're, you're working with someone who understands that. Um, but there's a significant savings when it comes to windows. There's a significant savings when it comes to the lighting that you're putting in your house. And again, look for that Energy Star label on the lights or look for LED lights actually too, especially the can light. It used to be even a few years ago, it was hard to get dimmable can lights that operated properly, but that's just not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's so much savings opportunity with your lighting package. We talked about appliances. We talked about windows, HVAC systems. We talked about that as well. We want to make sure that you're putting in is a very highly efficient furnace system, heat pump system, whatever you can afford but the efficiency is truly there. Uh, you know, you'll eventually meet that payback. And it, it also delivers a product that's so much more comfortable. So most of these systems come on at different airflows. So if you don't need a lot of heating and cooling, it's going to come on at a much slower rate than if you need more heating and cooling. And that itself is, is very efficient as well. Insulation packages, somewhere else that we always advise our clients to spend a little bit more on the insulation package because that's how the whole performance of your home starts. The wall assemblies, the insulation, the windows, the HVAC systems, it all works seamlessly together to provide that high-performance house. Another thing with lighting and windows, we talk a lot about solar orientation on your lot. Mm -hmm. And so even just paying attention to having those 
low E windows in certain positions so you can keep your lights off during the day. I'm I'm not a fan of artificial lighting. Very not. Neither am I. And it's it's interesting because even in the evenings, I'll have our lights at home. Some of them are programmed and I can program them to certain levels. And even when it's dark outside, I don't like to have the lights on as high as they can go. And and my wife always makes fun of me because she she says you like living in the dark. Well, it's not that bad, but it's just more comfortable to me when I have a light at maybe 50, 60, 70 percent of its maximum. Um, and, and that's another benefit that people should think about when they're, you know, renovating or building new or, or incorporate, and they're very inexpensive, dimmers into the house. So you can regulate exactly the output of the light at that particular time. LEDs have advanced that you can even control temperature of the lighting. Yes. I'm a big temperature control person with lighting. So. I like the softer lighting. Yeah. yeah. So the little bit of warmth. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, all my photos at home and at night are like orange because everything's like warm and low lit. So. And, and you mentioned earlier how important it is to think about where you're placing the house on the lot. And I couldn't agree more because you can take advantage going into a little bit more deeply the solar angles. Because, you know, think about it. The afternoon, the sun... As it starts to set, we'll come across the south, head to the west. And you can take advantage of that, especially in the winter. You want to welcome that light, that warmth into the house. And so if you really want to get geeky on this, I mean, think about building a new home and having some sort of a brick or a stone wall on the inside of the house that can absorb that heat. And then as the sun goes down, it can radiate that heat out into the house. Overhangs are huge, even if you live in an existing home. And uh, maybe you have a uh, a slider or some sort or a window in your bedroom and your bedroom really heats up in the summer, just put some sort of a canopy over that window that's going to block that sun. But the good thing about it is if you put a little bit of thought into it, that same canopy either needs to be retractable or it needs to be designed properly. So in the winter, when the solar angle is lower in the sky, it, it allows that sun to come in the in the room. So there really is, that's why we call this a science. You put it in the intro. This is really a science to what we do. And it does, it has to do everything with starting with how do you place that house on that particular lot to take advantage of, you know, the, the solar angles. I'm an interiors person. Mm-hmm. You know, I love couches and all, you know, all of those things. One of the advantages to having the low E windows, we have, you know, a wall, and I'm not worried about having my couch up against it because it's not going to bleach that. Or Or floors. Floors get bleached out, too. Yeah. We lived in a really old house, and it was interesting because you could see where light would come in for, you know, 70, 80 years Mm -hmm. in this certain part of the wood. You where the sofa was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. um, No, that's a great point, and I'm glad you brought it up. There are so many things to consider, and that's another great reason to make sure that window replacements or new construction, look for that Energy Star label and make sure that the windows have the right the right rating for your particular area. Well, and it's not just uh, saving money on operation costs too, but I know durability and maintenance inside and out is a huge cost savings too. And that sustainability, you know, you're not having to throw things in the dump and things like that. So I know that we talked a little bit to Scott Connell about, you know, lowering storm damage on the outside, Mm -hmm. but um, you know a lot about keeping things low maintenance on the inside too. And I I don't have a huge background on that. So I (laughs) mean... (laughs) uh, Scott Connell, by the way, is the uh, chief meteorologist at uh, the NBC affiliate in St. Louis. And we did have him on. Great guy, lots of great information. And, And he's one that really does understand what to do 
as far as the exterior. But the interior of the home, again, it's going to come down to it, it starts with how you build that house, the materials, the materials you use, everything from the studs in the wall to the sheathing on the floor to the insulation packages, the drywall. Again, codes are making it a little bit easier for builders because the codes are driving some of the choices that we make, such as the windows. To some extent, the insulation package, but not. We've talked about the importance of having you know highly efficient appliances and your electronic lighting packages, low flow plumbing and everything else. But really what, what you're talking about is the overall maintenance package, which Melody, it's very important because when your lender takes a look at what your, what your total package, your total cost is going to be, um, when they're looking at your percentages to decide how much they're going to loan you for that house, they're going to factor in taxes. They're going to factor in your principal, your interest. They're going to factor in monthly maintenance costs and everything else. And so a newer home that is built with better materials is going to you know, inherently be one that requires less maintenance each month. And they will factor that into that calculation and be able to loan you a little bit more for those renovations you're doing or for that new home you're building where you want to spend a little bit more on the windows, insulation, HVAC and all. So it, it's part of that entire package we keep talking about. Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Count on the experts at Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery to help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in together. Shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to discover stunning products from the comfort of your own home. The National Association of Realtors mm -hmm. released a, a report in 2021, and I know we've been going back and forth whether or not does it really have a higher resale value, you know, like you're talking about lenders, you know, the, the value. It said that 65% of these realtors all across the nation um, saw energy efficiency was valuable in their listings. And so I was wondering from a builder's perspective, I know that's kind of the resale value. Mm -hmm. um, from a builder's perspective, what do you tell people when they think, okay, is this really going to make my home more valuable like the lender thinks? Sir? <laughs> well, I, I can absolutely say that it does because I'm a pretty active member with the National Association of Home Builders and I attend you know, some, some of their annual meetings and, and various meetings meetings each year. And I hear builders all the time talking about high performance and what's working and what's not working. And I can say that across the country, the information that I am hearing and talking with others about typically shows a three to a 5% increase in the sale price of a home, a green home or a high performance home. So that in my mind is another reason why it's worth it if you spend a little bit more for your, you know, overall high performance package, renovation, whatever addition, new construction. But the numbers absolutely support the fact that these homes are appraising at higher values and they're selling at higher values too. And you're right, most people when they're thinking about green, the one component that they're focused on is that energy savings or the or the the monthly savings with your heating and cooling bills. And that has been proven out over many, 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 many years that it is absolutely happening. And I think that's the reason that these homes are actually selling for, it's been my experience, three to 5% more. 
in this report, they said 22% of realtors that responded did see an increase in their listing value. So, um, But more than half of their clients are showing interest in sustainability. And this has been a dialogue that we have been having so often for how many years, Kim? Well, we've been having it for 17. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that it's a conversation, a dialogue that we're having more frequently now, especially with, I mean, you know, over the past several years or maybe even the past decade, there's been so much talk about global warming. There's been so much talk about fires and tornadoes and hurricanes and what's the cause of that. There's no doubt about it. We have to pay attention to what we're building. That's one of the reasons I think on a commercial level, virtually every building right now is being built to a standard that is taking into account the energy consumption and the off-gassing and, and just everything that goes into it. The residential construction industry is not there yet, mostly driven by individual builders like us and, and like you know some of the guests we've had on our podcast before. Uh, Gene with Thrive Homes, for example, out in the Denver, Colorado area. There's a lot of high-performance builders who focus heavily on this. But what's been interesting is looking at the stats of the number of homes that have been rated to one um, standard or another over the past few years, every year that number gets ratcheted up and more and more builders are focusing on it. But, you know, I, I applaud the fact that much of the work is being done on the commercial level or industrial level, because that's still where we have the majority of our issues when it comes to the overall, I guess, environment, if you will. But there's no doubt about it. We do have to focus on it on a residential level. And I'm happy to say that I think we're starting to do that more and more, but we have a ways to go. We're a ResNet builder. We are. Um, we don't really talk about the HERS rating a ton, even in these conversations, but there is a scorecard that is kind of across the board. An independent rater will come mm -hmm. in and give you a score on your house, and um, that's not something that would exist before. You could say, oh, yeah, that's green. And I guess now that people can actually see these paths and numbers um, it's more interest because it's proven. Totally agree. And I think that HERS number, and by the way, HERS stands for Home Energy Rating System. And what you do is you're basically giving your house a number. It's almost like a miles per gallon sticker because at some point that HERS rating, there's a couple of different inspection points during construction where a third party independent inspector comes in and looks for certain things or is it being done? And then at the very end, they come back and they do what they call a blower door test where they depressurize the house and then they can actually calculate how quickly air is coming back in. And so that air leakage component is really important in that HERS rating. So a typical code-built home, if for example, has a number of an 85 on a scale to, from 1 to 100. It used to be 100. So that number was based on, I think it was a 2005 home. They set that level, and that's where you come up with 100. So a code-built home right now typically has an, a rating of an 85. So you can see that over the past decade, even code-built production homes are still 15% more efficient than they used to be. Well, we're striving for anywhere from low 40s to low 60s for all of the homes we're building. So you can see there's a big difference there. So the purpose of that HERS rating is for you to be able to quantify or show your client how well this house is built. And that's why I think that 
it won't happen within the next few years, but I think it might happen within the next decade or so. I truly believe that that HERS rating is going to be something that every house needs and will have because that's going to be able to show would-be buyers, okay, how well is this house going to perform compared to the other one that you're interested in? Builder Magazine every year has their top 200 builders. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, that is just a pure volume-based um, yeah, yeah. number. And I was reading that in 2021, at least um, 135 of those builders are giving out her scores with right. their homes. And so you're seeing that even with, like, these production conventionally built homes. But the average score for a ResNet builder Typically, these smaller builders, you know, are high performance like mm-hmm. us, right? Their 58 is the average score for a high performance builder is what I was reading. and um, It's a good number. Yeah, and it's 42% more efficient than a an existing home yeah. is on, on average. Actually, if I can just kind of correct that. So an existing home, remember we talked about that model home 2005 standards has the score of 100. If you're looking at most existing homes, you know what their HER score is? What? 145. Oh, Okay. Much, much higher. So yeah. that even shows you that, um, you know, when, when some of those other homes were built back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, it's far less efficient, you know, than, than some of the, the newer homes that have been built, even starting in 2005 and, and moving on. So we're absolutely making progress. And you know that when the, the big production builders are starting to pay attention to high performance, you know that's where the industry is going. And you know that it's the right thing to do because their business model, and I totally understand it. Their business model is to make their shareholders happy and to, you know, make as much money as possible on the bottom line. And if they've taken the the steps to really focus on some of the performance features of their homes, that's really good. There's there's two or three of the larger even luxury production builders that do a wonderful job explaining to their clients what they're doing, why they're doing it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of good to see because 10 years ago, none of the production guys were doing it. None of them. You wouldn't buy a car without knowing the miles per gallon Correct. Uh, sticker. And yeah. um, so I guess this is kind of, you use that analogy a mm-hmm. lot, but it sounds almost like, you know, that's going to be something that maybe in 10 years people are going to expect to have. Well, think about it. If you're comparing two homes and one has an, a HERS number of a 52, let's say, Mm-hmm. And it's it's looks exactly like another home that you're looking at, has the same features, same location, everything else. And that home is an 85, you know, if it's a production home. Everything being equal, you can have that much more of an efficient home, which is going to translate into savings every single month on your heating and cooling bills. Which home are you going to buy? I mean, that makes it's a no brainer. Yeah. I'd even probably pay more just for the durability. Yeah. I mean, because that's another, that's a great component. I'm glad you brought that up because durability comes along with this high performance building. Mm -hmm. The materials we're using are so much more durable. And what does that mean? That, that translates into longevity. This house is going to last a lot longer, but I also contend that the way we build, when you walk in one of our homes and I've had clients tell us this over and over again, you can walk into one of our homes or anybody who's building high performance and you can feel the difference immediately and you can hear the difference it's quieter it sounds just more like when you're walking on hardwood floors it sounds like a more substantial home the sound value alone i think is something that has to be considered because i'm you know excited about 2 by 6 construction because it's it's a 
more insulation in the walls and better R values and, and, and more comfortable. But think about it. It's also a more quiet home because you have that thicker insulation package. And then if you use a little bit of a better window. So it's, it's something that uh, I think gets kind of lost in the conversation, but it's something that I try to at least bring up with our clients and let them know that it's an efficiency, but it's also there for just the ambiance of the home. And, and so you're not hearing everything outside. That kind of leads us on to our next pillar, cutting pollution. Yes. You've got there kind of three different types of pollution that um, you can really pinpoint and people are familiar with. You've got your air, you've got your light, and then Mm -hmm. you've got your sound pollution. Mm -hmm. And um, so we talk a lot about comfortable, healthier, energy efficient. And um, I wanted to kind of dig into what that really means because for a lot of people, healthier can mean one thing or another. Mm -hmm. But there is so much research out there that legitimately translates home design and materials into healthier lifestyles, Um, you know, sleeping, eating patterns, ability to focus. And, you know, we talk about asthma and things like that. So I kind of wanted to talk about the health impacts of energy efficiency and ask you a couple of uh, questions, because I know when you bring it up to people, they're not coming to us because they, you know, want a healthier indoor air quality. But as soon as you mention it is. What are some of those things that you hear? I mean, it's like, oh, of course it makes sense. My daughter has asthma. Exactly. I can't tell you, especially with a lot of the clients in the Midwest, for builders in the Midwest, that seems to be uh, a common issue with a lot of families right now or children or, or some, you know, someone living in the house who has, who has an issue with asthma. This is where we go back to, it kind of starts at the beginning when you're deciding what that wall assembly looks like. And when you go two by six versus two by four, or if you go a ZIPS panel, which is a structural insulated panel, or if you go ICF, insulated concrete form, if you, if you start the upgrade of your wall assembly at that particular time, it down the line is absolutely going to have an impact on the indoor air quality. We've been doing this podcast, what, this is our fifth year, and I've probably said this following statement many times on it, build it tight, but ventilate it right. And that's what we're trying to do. So if you remember back in the late 80s and early 90s, I think the, um, the term was sick building syndrome was something that was very popular because so many people, they started building tighter homes, but what they did not do is, is ventilate them properly. And so you heard a lot about that sick building syndrome. And then we finally realized what we were doing. If you talk to some old school builders right now, they say, I don't believe in building a tight home because the house has to breathe. And you know what? They're right. Although I contend that we want to be able to determine and help that home breathe. We want to build it tight. So when we want fresh air to come in, we're bringing it in on a schedule. When we want to exhaust stale air or moist air, whether it's the bathroom or the, uh, the cooktop or whatever, we want to be able to get that out of the house as quickly as possible. So we do know the importance of fresh air inside of a home and it helps with the indoor air quality, but we want to make sure that the material we're using, it doesn't off gas. So all the, all the construction material we use is, is no VOC. So there's, there's no off gassing with that. We want to make sure that everything that we're putting into the house from painting to carpeting, to flooring, to cabinetry, has no VOC finishes on it. Because if we're going to build a tighter house, and then if we're going to upgrade our HVAC system, which has a much better filtration system. So if we're filtering the air from inside the house through our upgraded MERV filters more often, that's also part of the healthier indoor air quality. The returns are very important. Now, I know that 
you know, by code, you only have to have a certain system designed, your HVAC system designed a certain way. We want to make sure that we have returns in every single one of our bedroom, which helps our indoor air quality and also helps our comfort because we're allowing that air back into the returns and we're controlling, you know, the CFMs that come into the bedrooms. And so it's it's just a, a much better system, if you will, that's working together um, with the exterior wall assemblies, the windows, insulation, HVAC. Again, it just all works together and delivers a home that's extremely comfortable, but to your point, also the indoor air quality is being addressed. We also use what are called ERVs, which is an energy recovery ventilator. That's where we're controlling the air that we're bringing into the house. We know by our HERS score how much fresh air we need to bring into our house based upon the size and based upon what we call an air exchange per hour. So we know if we have to bring in a certain amount of air, we can control that ERV and we can set up when we're bringing air in and when we're exhausting air out. And that's what that ERV will do for us. So it stops the allergens from coming in from yes. like transportation and industry, depending yes. on how close you live to a highway even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, by controlling mo- moisture and things like that, you're controlling the indoor allergens mm-hmm. and filtering those through as well. Is what yeah. So, and you're also saying I should stop putting furniture in front of my return vents is kind of... The- 100%. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it kind of depends. I mean, different parts of the country, you're going to have your supplies and returns in different locations. So a lot of it depends upon where you live, but absolutely. One of the things that we highly recommend, and that's why we do walkthroughs with our clients. We want to know where are you putting furniture? Where are you hanging pictures because we do want to make sure that our registers, which is which are delivering the heating and cooling, and our return airs, which are, are taking the, uh, the air back and through the filter system, we want to make sure those aren't going to get blocked by the clients. One of the pieces of information that I thought was so interesting, as someone who uh, does not suffer from asthma, people with asthma and COPD mm-hmm. and bronchitis, dramatic shifts in temperature and humidity can actually trigger attacks as well. And so we say comfort all of the time because, you know, we, we sell the fact that you can go upstairs and it's the same temperature as downstairs. But, you know, really, there's a functional component to that, too, when you're talking about the health of your occupants. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why the HVAC system that you're using is critical. And that's why building a tight house so you can, tr- can control the moisture in the house. We're a firm believer that every house, especially those with hard wood, But quite frankly, I think every house needs some sort of a humidifier because you want to be able to control the humidity during the winter for comfort reasons, for health reasons alone. Um, But then at the same time, you want to make sure that like in the summertime, you want to have the right condenser or the air conditioning system because then you're taking a lot of the moisture out of the house. So it, it all works together. But to your point, comfort is more than just temperature. Comfort is moisture inside the house air quality inside the house. And comfort is making sure that you're living in a healthy environment so it's not triggering asthma, COPD, or any of the other, you know, the issues that, that people tend to deal with if, if they're confined inside a space with, you know, some of the unknowns. You know, what just popped into my head, too, is um, being in a house where you have hardwood, um, the swings in humidity, are, yes. it's going to impact the way that your boards swell. And I'm an interiors person, so if you have this beautiful hardwood floor and then you start getting gaps in the winter from it being so, you know, dry in the air, 
dirt kits in there too yeah, between those boards and um, just little things like that. So. And that's why that's another why the reason that we're a big proponent of of every home really needs to have a, a humidifier for for those winter months. And that's a a really an interesting reason because several years ago we did a a large addition renovation project for a client, and where we did the addition, we we matched the wood. And, and we got a call from the client one day and saying, hey, there's this there's this gap between the uh, the, the addition and, and the old. And, and can you come take a look at it? Of course, we went out there. Um, Dean, our, our superintendent at the time, went out and took a look at it and immediately walked in and saw what was going on. They had not had the humidifier serviced or it might not have even been on. I can't remember what. There was one on the system, but it wasn't operating properly. So we said, here's what needs to be done. So we called our HVAC contractor. They came in, took care of it. And within the matter of a week or two, that gap had thoroughly closed up. So you have to have moisture inside the house, if nothing else, for your skin, um, for, you know, the, just for your, your own comfort. It's definitely something that if you have hard wood in the house, you'll notice if you do not have a humidifier, you will have those gaps that develop when it, when it gets cold and dry outside. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the home that we moved into had um, custom wooden valances that went mm-hmm. with the blinds. And we left town in a really, like, July and, you know, kept everything up because we're not home, right? right. And the glue failed yeah. on one of the valances just because it was so humid, humid. and hot in there. And it killed, and like, a really nice tree. And that's what your properly sized HVAC system will do as far as, you know, the uh, a- the air conditioning is making sure that you take that moisture out, out of the house during the, uh, during the summertime when it's hot and muggy. One of the things you know you mentioned in a meeting not too long ago was raised heel trusses, mm-hmm. um, and I was fascinated listening to this because I had no idea what it meant. But it's a way that we build and why that's important. So you're talking about sealing things, and I just wanted to I wanted you to tell people what a raised heel truss was because sure. I thought it was a kind of oh that makes a lot of sense. It it goes back to uh, the design of a project. And it goes back to understanding how it all kind of comes full circle. And it goes back to the fact that we want to make sure we provide the best possible insulation package for a variety of reasons. It's easier to explain if I can show it, but I'll try to explain it. You have your your exterior wall. And the roof truss will, will sit down on top of that exterior wall. The typical angle of the roof and, and where you have what's called the bottom cord. So that bottom cord is horizontal. It goes from one wall to the next wall, might be supported in the middle of the house on some other walls. But the point is it's, it's horizontal and it's flat and it sits right on top of that, of that exterior wall. And then you have your angle or the, the top cord, if you will, which is the truss, which the shingles are attached to. Typically that top cord is going to take off right where the eave is, if you will, or the soffit is, and it's going to go straight up. So what we do is we add what we call raised heels. So we actually take that angle and we raise it anywhere from 12 to 18 inches right over the outer wall. And what that does is it gives you a little bit of a, a higher roof line on the outside, but I'm concerned about is how that insulation package is going to work. And it's going to allow us to move that insulation all the way out over the top of what we call the top plate or that exterior wall. So if you did not have that raised heel, that insulation package would start dwindling all the way down to the top plate where it's basically there's there's nothing there where the truss meets the exterior wall. So raising up that truss 12 to 18 inches allows us to move that insulation out 
over that exterior wall, and it helps the insulation package. So, and if you're trying to picture it, it'd be like if you're five and you drew a picture of a house and you have a square, uh-huh. and then you have the triangle part the triangle on the top. On top. And so you raise that triangle up just a little bit so it doesn't touch the square oh, and put like a this. layer right there. You, you're perf- that is the, the perfect description. Okay, and, and good, because that's what I was picturing in my mind. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. You raise that triangle up and that allows you to move the insulation out. And it, it's, it's truly something that might add, depending upon the size and complexity of a house, might add a couple thousand dollars to your trust package maybe a little bit more if it's a big house, but I'm telling you what, it makes all the difference in the world when it comes to the insulation package. When you're talking about what happens right above windows too, I know that there's- The headers. uh, The headers, that's Mm -hmm. what they're called. There's- something special that you can do in the headers yeah. and you can ask your builder to, if, if they're not offering it, maybe mm-hmm. bring it up to them. Like, right. tell me about that. So what, what we prefer to do, and a lot of it's going to depend upon what the actual structural engineer says, but generally speaking, those headers, which is the, the uh, structural material, the structural lumber above the windows, which kind of helps keep the window in place and you have studs next to it, et cetera, et cetera. But that header is a very important structural component, which helps the integrity of that window. Um, so you usually put in some sort of a two-by material, two-by-10, two-by-12. Sometimes it's an engineer, depending upon the window. When we're using two-by-six walls, very rarely do we have to have six inches or five-and-a-half as the actual dimension of, of lumber up in that header area. So what we do is we call we recess the header, which might give us inch-and-a-half, two inches of space that we can actually insulate above the window and, and right on that header area. So it's it's one of those areas that it allows us to get some insulation up there, which helps our overall insulation package by creating what we call a thermal break. We want to have a break from the outside, whatever your material is on the outside, vinyl siding, hardy siding, brick, whatever, all the way in. If there's no insulation, if you go from your exterior material to the wood header, to the drywall, you have nothing in there that's, that's acting as, a, as an insulator. And so what we prefer to do is recess that header and put some insulation up there, which just helps our overall insulation package. And, and usually we foam it uh, because it's an air sealer as well as an insulator. Um, but it's just kind of, a, kind of a smart way to add a little bit more robust insulation package. So that's why when I go to hang my Christmas wreaths and I'm bracing myself and contorting and trying to get my wreath on the outside of the windows, that that top of the window feels really cold to the touch yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times that's that's exactly what happens. That makes sense. This podcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors. Pella is the industry leader in innovation and style. Windows have become a key element in home design, and Pella has the product and professionals to guide you to your perfect solution. Pella is cutting edge in energy efficiency, durability, and performance. If you're tired of looking through screens, check out the Pella Integrated Roll Screen that you won't see until you need it. Pella offers the broadest selection of premium products to meet any budget and any design inspiration. Allow Pella to show you what they can do to improve the style and comfort of your home. With Pella's limited lifetime warranty, you won't have to worry about windows and doors again. Call 314-714-0100 to make an appointment or visit our showroom in Chesterfield Valley. The other 
topic that I ran across um, was the selection of appliances and, and the impact that they have on indoor air quality as mm-hmm. well. It has a term, building decarbonization mm-hmm. is kind yeah. of where people are going. and um, It I, helps your indoor air quality, right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I'm a... I love to cook, and mm-hmm. I always thought... I've seen your Facebook posts. You were really I, good, by the way. I love to cook, yeah. <laughs> and when we moved, I was so upset to move from a gas cooking range mm-hmm. and stove to electric because I was oh, I was convinced yeah. that it was going to... There was something about the moisture that comes with gas cooking, and, you know, my baking was going to be off, and I just didn't want to change. Ooh, I don't like change. <laughs> um, but the gas stove actually emits some chemicals into the air. It does. It does, yes. Is that really a problem that we see now, or is that more of something that if you're renovating or replacing appliances... So here's the rub. Okay. As a green builder, yeah, gas can pollute the indoor air quality, but that's one of the reasons you want to have your cooktop hood above it properly sized to make sure that you're exhausting what you can. You're not going to get it all, is, is I guess my point. It seems like all of our clients, though, they want the gas fireplaces, they want the gas cooktops. Um, our water heaters, for the for for the most part, are gas, but they're what we call um, direct vent. So we're not allowing you know any of the fumes to off gas out into the basement or, or the mechanical room or wherever it is because we're we're containing it and running it out out the house in in PVC. Okay. Um, so we're we're controlling that. Our fireplaces. We most of these units are sealed, so you don't have to worry about that because they're vented as well. But you're right when it comes to the gas. But there's just a, a common belief out there that that gas is the way to go when it comes to cooking, cooktops, ease, convenience, simplicity, taste, whatever. If you're thinking about possibly the best way to go, it would be induction because it's almost the best of both worlds. It's going to heat up extremely quickly. It's clean. It's very efficient. It hasn't caught on quite as much as I thought it would. And I can't tell you why, Melody. So I dug into that did a you? little bit. I did because I... Go figure, you know, right? I, right. Rabbit <laughs> hole when it comes to, to cooking, where would Melody go? Yeah. Um, so the, I guess, cost of replacing all of your pots and pans, because you have to have a special you do. pot you do and pan. You have to have special, yeah. And I also read that it looks like a uh, an electric cooktop. And so yeah, it I has, would agree with that. Yeah, and people like that, the almost rustic quality that like feels like home quality of having those grills over the gas burner, right. even though your induction cooktop's going to be 50% faster to boil water. This is not a hill that I would die on, to be, to be <laughs> truthfully honest with you, or yeah. to be honest with you, simply because I think we're controlling, you know, with the cooktop and it's, it's you know, you, you get the big cooktops nowadays. So you're going to ventilate the house properly. I, I do understand the draw to the gas. Heck, Jan and I, we have a gas cooktop. It's so easy. It's so convenient. I love the look of it. But I think you're right. Now that you bring up from an aesthetic standpoint, that induction, you know, maybe it's not nearly as as in keeping with, with kind of the image you're going for. Um, I can just speak from experience. The clients who have installed it came purposefully saying, this is what we want. They've either had it before, they've researched it like you did. And in the end, they were they were very happy with it. Um, so the other type of pollution that has a major impact on the quality of life inside, um, we talk about comfort being quiet floor to floor, but mm-hmm. there are some other 
components that the, it's not just, oh, so I can have some quiet, peace and quiet, but um, the sleep quality increases with being able to design with daylight and having that quietness. So I thought that was really interesting, too, because, you know, we say, oh, it's more comfortable, but what does that really mean? It translates literally to being able to sleep better at night. You know, if you have somebody who is working from home, you know, mm-hmm. being able to focus more and things like that. And um, that was another little tidbit that I ran across, and I thought that was great. That's very interesting because think about it. During the winter months, what typically happens? People's moods can be affected with the lack of sunlight. Absolutely. And they always say you need to have a special sun lamp at your desk in your bedroom somewhere. We're heading into the fall months now. Days are growing shorter. And there's just something about those, you get up, it's dark, you come home from work and it's dark, and it seems like it's dark all the time. There are ways to work around that, though. And and to your point, that's where it's so important during the design phase to think about where are we placing windows? Skylights are huge. You can incorporate skylights into your design these days. And I know what a lot of people are probably thinking, I'm not going to do a skylight, they're going to leak. They don't. They don't leak anymore. And this is, we don't get paid by Velux to say this, but Velux makes an awesome skylight. We've installed them in hundreds of homes and they do a really nice job. You can get them that are operable, that will open and allow heating to escape or cool air to come in at night. You can get shades on them. You know, the point being is truly think about windows, skylights, sun tunnels are huge. Put a sun tunnel in your closet. They cost $800. You can do this on a retrofit if you've got a house right now. You can have a sun tunnel added. Laundry rooms, if you don't have an exterior window in your laundry room. But you're, you're absolutely right, Melody. Be purposeful when you're renovating or designing for an addition or building a new home. Have as much light as possible. We talked with Matt Belcher about the home over in Webster Groves, the active house home. One of the things that was a focal point of that build was indoor lighting. And even to the point where we were monitoring, they had special lights that would pot up, pot down, depending upon the, the time of day on purpose. Because as, the, as it got darker outside, we wanted the lights to slowly, not just come on all at once, but kind of mimic, if you would, a sunrise or whatever. And it's just a more comfortable way to do it. So lighting is extremely important. Could not agree with you more. Be purposeful when you're, when you're designing a, an addition renovation or a new construction project for it. I, I thought it was interesting that they have studies, and this is in schools and workplaces, but you can translate the human reaction to heating and cooling changes yeah. and daylight changes. I mean, that's that's going to impact you at home, too. I know um, in our bedroom, we have these big, heavy curtains that during the week, we sleep with that open so that that daylight, we can wake up. I wake yeah. up at 410 in the morning. Ooh. And so I know because I'm insane. <laughs> um, but it helps because you see that, you know, that ambient light comes through the shades and, you know, it's just a little bit easier to wake up. And I always can tell a difference when we close them on the weekends, we'll sleep until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, and that's, it really is. And I'm so, I'm so happy that more and more builders, even the production builders are really starting to focus on all of this. And, and a lot of the homes that we're building moving forward are, are going to, you know, factor in the comfort factor in indoor air quality, lighting quality. It's it's all going to make for a much better experience for everyone who's building a home or renovating and, and, and all. I think it's technology in many cases has advanced our industry in a direction that has been really exciting. I mean, there 
for, they're building homes with 3D printers right now, Melody. It's I insane. I saw that. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the next 10 or 15 years are going to bring, but I can tell you that, that we are absolutely headed in the direction of smarter construction. And by smarter, I'm talking about focusing on the things that matter, the health, you know, your, your mental health, your physical health. Uh, the comfort of a home, and and you know, then your pocketbook. Because if you're spending less money, go out to dinner with the with the family more often. That's going to help your mental health too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just an exciting time, and um, a lot of great things going on in the construction industry. Well, and that third tenant for energy efficiency day is creating jobs. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting. We just are we're hearing about the Inflation Reduction Act right now, mm-hmm. and clean energy is such a huge component in that. And um, you know what it reminded me of. Is um, in the 1930s, you know, they, we had the highway system mm-hmm. that came into the United States, and I'm wondering if are we trying to use clean energy and energy efficiency to kind of um, create those job opportunities? You know, we want to retrofit, so you can get a ton of rebates, and um, I think there's even appliance replacement and repair cr- tax credits. There are. There, there, so. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Those will include things like solar tax credits. I know that's something that we really haven't touched on. There's also credits for other um, sustainable opportunities or sustainable ways to go about building a house or renovating a house. Um, job growth, we, we, you know, you had mentioned that. I think there's a lot of job growth opportunity in, in kind of the direction we're heading. I think that the one thing that I want to um, find a delicate way to, <laughs> to bring up is I, I'm still a, a big fan of high performance and green homes and, and sustainability and, and being very responsible with the environment. But I just want to make sure that this is being done in kind of a common sense approach. For example, right now, I truly believe that many local municipalities, state and even some of the federal codes are becoming a little bit too strict when it becomes cumbersome for a builder to be able to produce and build a beautiful home at reasonable prices then I think we've gone a little bit too far, and that's kind of where we are right now. As a high-performance builder, as a green builder, I want to deliver the best possible home I can to the client. But I think the client should have the option how deep of a, of a high-performance home we're, you know, we're building, how much that home is going to cost. So I think we just have to have some, some common-sense guidelines when it comes to the conversation we're having. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, we're, we're actually we're putting together a green home building guide okay. that um, is going to be launched with this podcast. Good. And the idea is to um, take these ideas that we use in our building approach and be able to ask your builder for it and know what you're talking about and have an intelligent conversation. So we want people to have that outline that they can use anywhere in the country, really, to get um, answers to their questions. Good. I'm glad you're putting that together. And I bet you it will be a uh, one of the more popular requests, I would I would have to believe because it's great information. We really do want to be a resource, and we're, we're here to help, and we love hearing from, you know, those who are listening to our podcast. If I'm not mistaken, you've heard from a couple recently? I have. You know, just in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to two or three people that have called in, and I've helped navigate them to their local HBA Good. and, have, you know, recommended, hey, here's some resources. Even when we talk to people who come to us to potentially hire us as a builder, um, I'm not a salesperson at heart, so um, it's, it's difficult for me to see it as, you know, 
know, we're trying to push what we are doing on them. You know what I mean? And, and so it's we want these resources out there. We, we encourage everybody to talk to two or three builders and get an idea of what is right for them mm-hmm. and um, have a builder that they're comfortable working with that will – say, okay, you know, this is right for you, or, you know, maybe back you up sometimes, you know, if you've gone a little bit too far in another direction. So so well put, and I can assure all of our listeners that this truly is a labor of love. We love what we do. We absolutely love this industry, building custom homes, sharing information. We're truly not using this as a a way to, you know, try to corner the market on clients because we're only in the St. Louis and the Northern Utah market. So this really is meant to uh, to help clients understand understand about high performance building. And I understand you have a real good episode number nine for season five plan that's also should be helpful for our listeners. I hope so. I know in season three, we took a deep dive into every piece of the home building process. And so we wanted to get our team together, not only because it's always a fun conversation when our team is together, but we want to talk about each of the individual pieces of the process, and you can hear from, um, you know, the people who really spearhead that, you right. know, and it's from a client's perspective, and it's not our proprietary building process that, you know, we kind of use to execute, but it is a process for the client, you know, to see, you know, this is what to expect whenever you're working with a builder to go custom, you know, it's... um People want the charm of an old home, but they want the high-performance stuff of a new home. And so custom is the way to go to combine those. And so, you know, it might be useful to get that bite size, get an idea of who you're working with to do what. I think it will be helpful for the for the one reason a lot of our clients say that, you know, I wish I had known what I didn't know. And so this will give anybody out there who's thinking about building a home kind of a, a quick, you know, update one-on-one lesson, if you will, on what to be prepared for when building a home. And it might help them get a little bit organized and understand the process behind it. So I look forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. If you have questions that you want to ask <laughs> of our team, you can call us at 314-266-9709. And, um, or you can drop us an email, info at hipshomes.com. And We'll be able to, you know, give you some answers on that. And I think I might include one of the last questions. What do you wish clients knew about the estimating or design process? And maybe we can get some good good stuff in there. Yeah, no, that'd be great. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening to this episode. Hope you've uh, found it helpful. We certainly enjoyed passing along this information. And we will uh, certainly look forward to having you all join us for episode number nine coming up soon. For more information, visit www.artofcustompodcast.com or find us on Facebook as The Art of Custom and on Twitter at Art of Custom Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes and please rate and review to help us grow. The Art of Custom is produced by Hug Monster Sound with original music by Adam Frick-Ferdine. Thanks for listening.